Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Why, hello, everybody. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live, and we're back. It's 2 o'clock on Monday afternoon. The Giants have just had their first padded practice of training camp. My name is John Schmelk, joined in person by Paul Dettino, Pearson Butler at the controls, and we're happy to take your calls. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. We'll make sure to get to them early and often, as it's been a while since we've had a chance to chat with you, the listeners. Mr. Dettino, how was your little Sunday off? A little reprieve after four straight days of unpadded practices before uh, we put the big boy pads on today. Would you believe I was bouncing off the walls? <sighs> no, because you're crazy. Because why would you enjoy a day off? <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I did not. And especially when the Yankees lost in the ninth inning. Uh, so, <laughs> but I will tell you this. Right now, the word live is a very clean four-letter word, and it's a happy four-letter word, not a dirty four-letter word. Yes. It's a wonderful four-letter word, and I'd like to concentrate on that. But I will tell you one thing, John. It was really something to be out there on a cool day with nice. a slight mist on the first 20 minutes or so of practice before it finally dried out. Yeah, give or take. Right? It was a, a much more comfortable day than anything we've experienced in the first week or so. No question about it. All right, Paulie Dots, so let's talk about today. The other Another fun four-letter word that we're allowed to say is pads. So they're in pads today for the first time, the first kind of taste of real football. And Brian Dable has made the point that this is when the evaluation really starts in earnest, where you can really start seeing, quote-unquote, real football being played. And we saw it today after a week where I think Saquon had, like, one carry <laughs> during practice because what's the point when you're not wearing pads? Uh, they had... I had some like 13 or 14 straight plays that were all runs during a team portion of today's practice. So uh, this is a chance to look at the two upfront units on offense and defense and then see what they can do with their first bout of contact. Yeah, and I thought, to be honest with you, they did bust a few running plays they open. Did. Uh, there were a number where the defense suffocated them. I thought it was back and forth. I thought you had a couple of tackles for losses. You had yep. a couple that got through. I, I, I thought it was a nice kind of exchange back and forth where they're a good place for both sides. Very fair. And I do think that not only Barkley, but Antonio Williams and Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell all had at least one really nice run 
where they were able to find a hole, find a lane, and, and rip off a long one. And that was kind of a positive thing because, you know, you never just want to see one guy take advantage of, of the fruits of the offensive line's labor. You'd like to see everybody spread around some of the wealth. Yeah, no question about it. And Saquon had a nice run. There was a sack or a simulated sack in the red zone, and then he had a nice 10-yard run, a little toss sweep. Shane Lemieux, who has been at center uh, with the first team the last couple of days, Paul, had a nice little pull around the edge to help free him up on that run. Um, I thought a couple guys made a couple nice plays in the run game. Carter Coughlin had a couple nice solo tackles, I thought, in and around the line of scrimmage. I thought, and this has kind of been fairly consistent, to be quite honest with you. I think Darian Beavers has been very active along the line of scrimmage. I think he's gotten into the backfield a couple times on a couple of these runs. Most notable today, other than any of the other practices. Well, like I said, they haven't had many running plays at all to speak of before right. today. But I, right. I feel like he's still, you know, and the fact that he's in there with that first team sometimes shows how the coaches have come to trust him given his experience at Cincinnati when uh, Blake Martinez isn't out there uh, because he's still being managed a little bit in terms of his reps. Yep. And, you know, I just think to see those guys make those types of plays is good. And I think it's, it's good to see, you know, the running backs try to gain some sort of rhythm and comfort level with this group of offensive linemen because that does take some time, right? Uh, finding those holes and making those cuts and knowing where the offensive linemen are going to be playing off of those blocks, reading the blocks is important. And you're not going to get better at that with this group. And it is another new group. The only two guys that Saquon's familiar with are Andrew Thomas and Shane Lemieux. And Lemieux's not even in the same position. So it's going to take some time. Well, consider that starting center John Feliciano is out for a few days and won't be back for at least a couple of more. Dable said maybe tomorrow, but probably yeah. two days. He Sounds said. like mm -hmm. it. So, you know, and given the fact, by the way, that Thursday is another day off, do you then just give him the next two? You know what I mean? Maybe. Are you going to get the extra one? We'll see. It's just that, um, you know, it was great to get them out there in the first day of practice with pads. It was great to use a lot more running plays, which we haven't really seen as part of the design of what Dable wanted to do. But it was not the starting five that we do expect the Giants to have. And I don't think I'm I'm not going to give out any secrets, folks, but I will tell you that there were four different players who took turns playing center today. I mean, and that's just the way it is. Uh, in fact, over the course of the last few days, yeah, the, there have been five different players the, playing center. The starting center is John Feliciano when he's ready. He's not ready right Correct. now. Correct. So that, 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 that's where they're at. So, so your other five reserve offensive linemen who have all taken turns playing center have done what they could to fill in. And there have been some guys who've gotten more reps at the position than others. Um, and, you know... I, I'm anxious to see Feliciano. Let's just say that. I'm anxious to see him because we've been told that he is a, quote, dirtbag, according to offensive line coach Bobby Johnson, who affectionately calls him that because he's a blood, sweat, and tears, guts kind of blue-collar player. And I, I, I can't wait to see him in pads doing what he does because he is the starter. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, they did have O-line, D-line, one-on-ones, the same time they had DB wide receiver one-on-ones. Uh, which one did you watch, Paul? Uh, I watched the DBs. Okay, so why don't you go with that first, and then I watched the O-line, D-line, so I could talk about Yeah, I, I, I thought, to be honest with you, um, there was nothing that stood out. Um, one of the things that I do when I'm watching these drills, I notate guys who did something that was above expectation. Yeah. I have a certain level of expectation that I believe I'm going to watch on a play. And then if somebody does something that's superlative, either offensively or defensively, I notate it. Otherwise, if they just made a standard play, a, a, a normal pass breakup, a normal catch, 
they don't get notated because that's not a star play, so to speak. And the truth is, John, today was a very routine day, I thought. A couple deep passes, right, for scores. Uh, Richie James had one and Robinson had one. R Richie James had one that I saw. Wondell Robinson had a catch and run. But nothing overly spectacular. I, I do think, uh, okay, I do think you've heard a lot over the course of the last few days about Darnay Holmes, who has been involved in a bunch of big plays, I believe four different takeaways over the course of time. Three picks in a strip. Okay, mm -hmm. which is great, which is great. But he's also had other plays where receivers were able to get open on him. So it's been yep. kind of a mixed bag for Darnay Holmes. Yeah, there was one play yesterday or Saturday, I guess it would have been, where he got, I don't know if you saw this one, where he, the receiver got behind him a little bit. He tried to recover. And instead of trying to make a play, the ball kind of just dove at the receiver. Mm -hmm. And then Jerome Hendricks came up and was like, look, you can't, that's going to be yes. a defensive pass interference. You Correct. can't do that. And that was one of those coachable moments as well. Yep. I saw that too. A um, couple other notes I'll give you before I go into the O-line, D-line, one-on-one to Dame Belton. Uh, had a little bit of a sling today. I'm sure everybody saw that on Twitter. Uh, the beat writers were very anxious to tweet that out. Uh, we'll see. I imagine that's going to be some time. Usually, arm in a sling is not, not the best sign. Coach hinted it'll be longer than a week. Yeah, so we'll see. Maybe the first preseason game. We'll see. That's Believe it or not, 10 days away, Paul. Wow. It's coming fast. Coming fast. I'm excited. Really? Shocking. Uh, O-line, D-line, one-on-ones. A uh, couple of notes. I'll put it this way, and I think this is probably a good thing. Who do you think the two best players? Like, just if you like knew nothing about the Giants, you just watch the offensive line, defensive line, one-on-ones, what two players do you think would appear to be the best players? In in that drill? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was watching the, the, no, no, the just, secondary. Just take a guess. Who would you and think that, well, would you be would the think two best that, players? Well, you would think that Leonard Williams yep. would be really good. And he was one. And by the way, he had really good team sessions today. Len Leonard Williams, who had a career high, he was in on a total of 81 tackles last year, is picking up right where he left off. This guy is very active on that defensive line, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a sack. He gets after the ball, especially in a run game. Yeah, Leonard Williams had a nice uh, push-and-pull move on uh, Glowinski. He kind of mm -hmm. slid by him, and then he quickly beat uh, Lemieux as well on one of those plays. So he, was, he had two one-on-one -on -one reps, won them both, Probably as convincingly as any defensive player won their reps. Does so not he, surprise he was, me. He was very good. Now you tell me the second guy's on the offense. I'm not giving you hints. Oh, I would say Andrew Thomas. Yeah, that was the second best guy in the drills. So he had uh, he had two reps against Thibodeau. Shut him down the first time. Second time, Thibodeau kind of slipped on his move, so you don't really know what would happen. Mm -hmm. But he just seemed like in control. He looked so comfortable. You know, he just seemed like he was. He got there in his stance. He did his kick and he waited. Now, this was a little bit different, too, because this was not just straight pass pro. They kind of had the O-linemen simulate some play-action stuff, too, in the one-on-one -on -one drill. So right. some guys were short-setting or actually attacking the defensive linemen on, on a couple of these plays. Like, there was one play, and I'm not sure if I haven't looked at Twitter at all since practice, but um, someone got around Evan Neal a little bit on a play, but that's because it was a play, and Evan Neal was trying to attack the edge like it was a oh. play-action pass. Yeah. And he got a little bit out and over his pads a little bit, and that allowed the, the defensive lineman to get around him. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, uh, poor, who, who, did he, who did he do that against? 77. That's uh, Ellis, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, Douglas. Sorry, Jamil Douglas. Jamil Douglas, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Poor Dexter Lawrence got under that gentleman's pads and took him on a ride into the backfield on a play. It was just like a straight-up bull rush, and he just, you know, he basically got him on the sled and just got to push them back. Oshin Zimenez. Um, 
Got called for three offsides penalties. Bobby Johnson is quite the cadence. Yes. On 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 the snaps, he was getting he got a few defensive line, but Zimenez got it a couple times, and Brian Dable was not thrilled about that. He came over and watched some of it, but Zimenez did have a nice move uh, to win around the edge on one play, kind of faked inside and then kind of popped outside a little bit. Additional comment on Dexter Lawrence, if I may, John. I I can't speak to this exactly because Dexter hasn't told us. He's bigger. He's bigger. Well, I remember I, I said I thought when I saw him in the spring, he looked a little bit bigger. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He is wider. He is thicker. And it looks like he's going to be much more of a force on the interior of the line thing than more, he has been in the past. Yeah, they told him he's going to be the nose. And they told him he's going to be the nose tackle, right? It looks like it. It looks like it. Or what? You know, maybe not technically the nose tackle because he plays over the center. But whoever, right. whoever the closest player to the right. ball is. And, and let's not forget. And again, I, I folks, I'm not telling you any strategy stuff that you can't figure out on your own. With the multiple looks and the multiple fronts that Wake Martindale is going to play, there will be times you will see no defensive lineman with their hand in the dirt. There'll be times when you see one. There'll be times when you see two. So honestly. We're almost doing them a disservice if we call them defensive ends, defensive tackles, nose tackles. These are defensive fronts, <laughs> and that's what they are. They're just these guys are playing defensive front. Uh, in fact, if I may relay a story briefly, a little bit off track, John. I was talking to Aziz Ojolari, and I said to who him, who is still not practicing, by the way. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a sore hamstring mm-hmm. on the non-football injury list. Yep. They did that before. Four camp started so that they don't they have the exemption for him because once he starts practicing now mm-hmm. you can't put him down. Okay, so anyway, I said to Ojolari, um, I don't even know what to call you anymore because of of all the different spots where you line up. I mean, I think you have to you know you, you, you call him an edge rusher. Yeah, I you mean, call him an edge rusher. But he laughed and he goes, No, actually, you're right because. I'm lining up in a bunch of spots, and I'm not just an edge rusher now. I'm doing this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, there are no, in a lot of ways, the conventional positional names for front seven players take a back seat in Wink Martindale's scheme. That's just the way it is. Yeah, so. no question about it. All right, let's open up the old phone lines, 201-939-4513. I know... We were still kind of ironing out the kinks this morning, so I we couldn't do like the full out blast out. We're live at two because we don't want to then disappoint people. But uh, so I I know that probably not a lot of people were ready to tune in live today at two. But if you are, we have open lines. So if you ever do want to get in, you happen to catch us uh, up live on the app or on Giants.com. Give us a call. We'll get you right up. We'll talk some Giants football with you uh, right here again. It's two zero one nine three nine four five one three. All right, Paulie. How about? Media availabilities today. We had Brian Dable first before practice. Then we had Adoree Jackson and Kenny Galladay after. Uh, I missed Galladay. I was running around trying to do a couple things. It took like an hour to get out there. Um, I know. He was wait- doing the weight room, I think. He was doing the weight room. We were doing the waiting room. As we were waiting for <laughs> Kenny Galladay to come out to do like media that. availability. That's very good, John. Yeah, no problem. We're live. I'm on fire. What can I tell you? Uh, so <laughs> your thoughts on what was said during media availability? Today, uh, well, let's just start with Galladay real quick because he was not out very long. He did indicate he thought that the pre-snap motion offense is a credit to the coaches for trying to find new ways to get guys open. And now he's not generally going to be the motion guy, no. I wouldn't think. No, he's not. Right. No, he's not. But he did say uh, it does make the players study harder to learn it. And he said that the trick about it for him is that he does need to know, even though he may not be the guy in motion, he needs to know what those other guys are going to do. 
and when they're in motion and what their options are for the routes because you don't want to run into them and cause a traffic jam of receivers. Right. So he said, like, he still has to know it and study it, even if he's not going to run those types of plays himself. So I thought that was uh, that was a, a somewhat of an enlightening comment from him. Uh, he did say his connection with Daniel Jones is growing, their relationship. He stayed here most of the offseason to work with Jones on purpose because he said it meant a lot to me to focus on it. He is very determined to have a big year and to help him and Daniel uh, continue their connection in the passing game. Um, other thing he said was, let's see here. Uh, coaches and trainers are easing the players in this year, and it seems to be working. Yeah, we saw Tony have that maintenance day mm-hmm. on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's very pleased about that. You remember Galladay had three different injuries that he fought through during the course of last season uh, as he tried to labor and, and get to the end of the year. So so obviously it's great that he's feeling good and, and the Giants are taking care of him. Uh, and the other thing is, too, he did say – uh, this offense is totally different, guys, in all positions. Keep the defense guessing. The receivers have a lot of freedom in this offense, which we've heard from other people before, mm-hmm. okay, saying that we don't have to run our routes like a cookie cutter. Um, you know, it's funny. In a lot of ways, we talk about how coaches want players to be precise and practice the way you're going to play and make sure you do everything exactly the same and force of habit will produce in a game. Well, yeah, because then your quarterback can anticipate right? where you're going to be and when you're going to get there. But that but doesn't seem to be the case no, here. I know. It's no. Very, I was thinking about that today a lot, too, and it's a little odd. It, it's and, and But here's the funny part. You and I both know Kevin Gilbride very well. Kevin gave his receivers options and adjustments, and they had to be on the same page with the quarterback so that Eli knew. And I talked about this with Plexico Burris yesterday when he was here. They knew. The look, the adjustment that was going to be made, it became instinctive and intuitive. Yeah, I so feel like this you know, is a little bit different, though, because there's not necess- there are some option routes that that certainly right. is true. But the other thing guys are saying, look, they just tell me to go get open. So, like, if you have to run, like, a 15-yard out, well, you could do another extra shake in there or do another little extra move in there to get open on that 15-yard out. But if, you know... If you take another full step, you know, in to try to get open going out, if the quarterback's not anticipating that on a right. throw before you get out of your break, then all of a sudden the timing is screwed up. So I do wonder if this is going to make the giant quarterbacks wait a little while before they release that ball because they're going to have to see exactly what their receiver is going to do. I, I understand the point, John, and that's why I'm very curious to see how the routes develop during the preseason games yeah. and certainly in September. And by the way, we have seen a couple routes in practice where the pages have not been on the same wavelength. Tony had one today. And he had two on Friday. Yeah. And the one today wasn't even close. Was, was that the one over the middle? Uh, no, it was one to the left side. Okay. I swear to God to you, the ball was probably about 10 yards away oh, from him. I did he see was that way, play. He was way. He, yeah. You know what? He was across the George Washington Bridge. Yeah, there was another play on an in where Jones just kind of uh, ducked it a little short. But, yeah, look, and and I think you're going to have some of those plays now, and fans are going to have to prepare themselves, and we're going to go back in time to, like, 2014 here, and we're going to have – and where it looks like the quarterback's throwing it right to the defensive player because the quarterback and receiver maybe aren't exactly on the same page. Yeah. All right, there was one other thing I did want to bring up today, John. Yeah, go ahead. In terms of media avails, and you were there for Dable. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I interpreted this one very, very unique comment 
He kind of broke it up into two parts. I took it one way. You may have seen it or heard it another way. I don't know, so it could have been open to interpretation. Okay, what do you got? But here's what I understood Dable talking about. He was asked about Daniel Jones and some of the misfires, because there have been a few, and he did have one bad practice a couple of practices ago. And Dable said, sometimes I just tell the quarterback to just throw it up there because I want the defensive backs to go get it. I want to see how they're going to react to it. And a lot of the written people, the scribes, when they see a play like that, they're ripping Jones to shreds and they're taking him to task. What we're finding out now is that Dable actually told Jones to throw some of those misfires, jump balls, air balls. He said, well, I, I mean, I don't see... think he's telling him to throw air balls. Well, I wouldn't. He just said, I want him to throw it up there. Well, yeah, look, I, so... I think there are certain situations where you want the quarterback to create contested catch situations. Okay. But I don't think that's where people have necessarily been hammering Jones on. Well, on I those think specific types. Well, of I, I, I kind of gotten that impression. And so that's one. That's half of it. And then, because he said, I want to see how the DBs react to those kinds of plays. He said, because what we're trying to do is evaluate the whole team. I'm not just trying to evaluate the quarterback. I'm trying to evaluate everybody. And we actually saw Tyrod Taylor do one of those kind of chuck yes. ducks the other day. Yes, he did. In the middle of the field. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the, the second part to that answer, he said, there are other times I want, the, I want them to hold the ball longer and then just rip it. Because he wants them to take a shot at difficult throws when the coverage is there and to see if they can thread the needle and get the ball into a tight spot. The thinking going, if you don't practice those kinds of plays when you're going to need to get it into a tight spot, you're never going to get to do it in a game. So it's interesting because there has been a lot of written criticism about Jones, quote, holding the ball too long by some of the scribes. Turns out that's part of what he's being told to do. On occasion. I don't know if that's how I on read occasion. that second part of that comment. I don't think Brian Dable's telling Daniel, don't throw the ball on time, throw it late to make the throw harder. I think what he's saying, if you see something a little bit late and you're not sure if you can get it in there, try to get it in there. That's Again, how I kind of... And that's it. why I'm saying to you, I, I I just have a hard time thinking the coach is like, Daniel, if you have this guy open, I want you to wait two no, extra no, no, no. and I'm not suge- it in there. I'm not know? suggesting that. I'm not suggesting that. But there are instances where it's clear that the ball was held on to a little longer for a purpose. Well, yeah, I think maybe in the past they would have told the quarterback, depending on the coach, look, throw it away like he wouldn't a game. Right. Like, I don't think we've had... That's what I'm saying. I don't think we've had one Jones throw away. He had one today. He had one today, uh, near end zone, right corner. It was a safety blitz, hot read. Galladay went to the back right corner on a fade. He was guarded very tightly by um, by um, uh, uh, A-Rob, okay. by A-Rob, and Jones airmailed it about five yards over his head, and, and, it way, was the right, and it was the right play. By the way, I don't think that was a throwaway. I thought Galladay could have gotten to that ball. I was right there. I was like five feet from the play. You, you thought he could have got it. I thought he had a shot. I was at on it. the opposite side of the sideline. I'm not sure side he could have caught it. I thought he had a shot at it. A shot at it. In any event. Yes, but the bottom line that is that was we, I thought it was kind of a throw. We've seen in to me. past anyway. practices that in past regimes get, just get rid of the ball. Throw the ball away. That has not that that has not been for any of the three quarterbacks. So that I agree. That has probably been a coaching point. That look, guys, we're here to practice. I don't need you to practice throwing the ball away. I want you to try to complete right. passes and give at least the defense a chance to make a play or whatever. Sure. So yes, that I buy. So maybe some of those plays where he is holding the ball a little bit longer, 
is a situation where, um, you know, he could. He's telling him to thread the ball. Right. Take a shot and thread it. Where in Instead some of, of those situations it. where he's holding it, he could have maybe that ball's out and out of bounds a couple seconds earlier. Or, or and, and also in years past, we would see them blow it dead and say, okay, you know, that's a, if you don't throw it away, we're just going to blow the whistle. That's a sack. That's it. Forget it. Right. Kill, kill the play. Now they're like, no, no, rip it. Dable, Dable loves to use that phrase, rip it. I want to see him rip it. And I, that's pretty significant. And I, and I, and I think, you know, he, had the, he gave that explanation today, both of those explanations, um, depending upon how strong you, you interpreted it, it still is relevant, and it does explain some of the things that we have seen during the practice. And I think the, the, the unaware eye has been, in some regards, twisting or or kind of mis misidentifying those plays. I mean, I think I I don't disagree with that, but I do think it's fair to say that the defense has been ahead of the offense. Yes, to start camp. I concur. I concur. Which and be they a, should be. Which shouldn't it? Look, it's the same thing. Like I always joke with Salomon on third day of camp. I go to then I go. You know, Dan, early in camp, the defense is always ahead of the offense because you literally say right. that every single year, no matter what the and regime by the way, is, no matter who's here. Defense, so. defense knows the snap counts too. Right. <laughs> You know, the other day, somebody sent me a message on, on uh, Twitter. Uh, I, I hear the Giants have a problem at center, and it, and it looks pretty bad. You know, they're going to have to pick up a veteran free agent. And I, I was like, wait wait a minute. First of all, Feliciano's not playing right now. Second of all, they didn't put pads on until today. Third of all, when you have non-padded practices in shirts and shorts, what exactly is an offensive lineman supposed to do when the defense, in a lot of cases, knows the snap, has an idea of what the blocking scheme is probably going to be, and, oh, the offensive lineman can't get off and attack or defend himself. If Let me tell you something. If defensive linemen don't win shirts and short drills in the first few days of camp, there's something wrong. Just saying. Yeah, that's advantage defensive linemen. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. No, I agree with that. So that's what I got. No, I think that's fair. All right, guys, come on. Get on the phones. If you're out there listening live, 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. All right, I got, I got a Twitter question or two here that we can buy some time with your poly dots as we try to get people on the line here. Uh, Therese Stokes has a couple of questions. One, uh, I noticed Shane Lemieux has lost a lot of weight. I'm not sure if I necessarily noticed that myself. I haven't. But um, playing left guard, he will be. Will he be giving up too much in the trenches? He had trouble in pass before the injury. Um, or do you think the two linemen out of North Carolina get legitimate shots to win jobs? They're both, you know, really big men with long arms. Uh, well, we have seen with Lemieux playing some of those center snaps with the first team. We've seen Josh Azudu be in there at left guard, and I think he's. I think he's moved pretty well. I, mm-hmm. I think um, McKeithen is probably the bigger man than Azudu, and Azudu yes. is and Azudu's the better athlete. He's 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 much more of a mover than McKeithen mm-hmm. is. I totally agree with that. Uh, I also think that Shane Lemieux. I was talking to uh, Brian Boldinger. That's going to be up on on the huddle very shortly. Uh, he is a huge Shane Lemieux fan, and believes that Lemieux 
actually has more athleticism than he has shown and said to me, I believe you're going to be able to see Lemieux even come out on pulls, which, you know, we didn't see a ton of when he first was here as a rookie. It's going to be very interesting. We actually saw him pull from the center position. Today? On that run today that yeah. Baldy had to the right that I mentioned earlier. And and that's what clicked with me. I'm like, oh, Baldy just mentioned that to me the other day. Look at that. That's not something we saw a lot of in him as a rookie. So maybe that's going to be a new part to his game. I'm not sure. Yeah, it could be. I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, needless to say, I think Lemieux will get the opportunity. But do I think like Shane Lemieux has the starting left guard job in his back pocket no matter what? I don't. I think if one of the young guys or even one of the other vets shows enough where they think he's the better option there, I don't think they're married to that alignment. If someone else shows that they're better, I think that player will get the fair opportunity, fair well, shake. Well, it has to be. I mean, you've got to put your best five on the on the field. I, I don't know 100% whether or not, you know, I, I think we all believe Lemieux has a leg up on everybody else at that spot. Well, I mean, he's, he's been you the first-team starter, so right, that makes sense. Right, right. Now, is, is he going to hold it? I, th- I think there's a good chance that he will. I'm, I'm still thinking that he will, but you're right. I, he's not He's not glued to the spot. He can't be. <laughs> I mean, come on. He hasn't done enough to earn that. No, no. There's very few guys on this team who can say that they have a right to a spot. Yeah, I think he'd be the first one to say that, too. Like, sure he would. shine away from competition sure or anything like that. So, yep. Um, other guys, there was Stone Rookie Shields Jones today, right? Uh, Matt Parrott's. Uh, Sterling Shepard, they're still off to the side working. We mentioned Noah Aziz Ojolari. Um, anyone else miss practice today that I'm missing? Jaron Williams, right? He wasn't out there. We mentioned Belton. We mentioned Jaron Williams. Uh, we know about Ojolari already. Um, Ricky Seals-Jones. Yep. You mentioned him? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's, I think that's uh, it, right? That's it. All right, second question from Teray Stokes. John, I know most people are big Martinez supporters. I realize he makes a ton of tackles, but how many are behind the line of scrimmage? His last full season, he had 150-plus. How many were tackles for losses on running backs outside of screen plays, which he excels at? I know that was a big criticism of him before he got here from Green Bay. I think I think Blake's been very good in the run game. And even if it's not a tackle for loss, he's doing it at the line of scrimmage, minimal gains. And I think we saw how much the run defense deteriorated last year once he was no longer on the field. Huge. The, uh, look, I and I understand. I'm not disputing Lance. He was a big one for... You know, they're going to miss Dalvin Tomlinson. And I thought they would, but I did not think that was going to be the biggest miss. I thought when Blake Martinez went down, that was the bigger of the two missing pieces in this defense. I think it It exasperated the other issue. And Well, and the truth of the matter is, they were both holes in the defense. Yeah, for sure. Whether or not one was bigger than the other, well, does it really matter? I thought Austin Johnson had a nice year last year. I mean, he got paid like he did, for sure. Austin Johnson did play well, but Danny Shelton turned out to be a very non-producer. Yeah, I mean, it was, it turned out to be, he was, you know, sometimes you get those vets and they're good. Other times you get those vets and you realize that that vet is like a year or two past being a good NFL player. And I think that's yes. kind of... Yes. Did he sign anywhere this year, Danny Shelton? I don't think he did. Let me see. You know, Danny Shelton, that, that unfortunately for Danny Shelton... Uh, that was the kind of thing where I think time is is finally caught up to him. And those bigger guys sometimes, you know, it, it's tough. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. No, I do not believe uh, he is currently on a team, from what I could tell. That does not surprise me. It was uh, it was not a pretty tape that he put out there in 2021. No question about it. All right, another question. This one from at J Meisner eight. Uh, that one dude. He wants to know what are the biggest signs you've seen so far in this camp so far. 
uh, and I just added another so far in there, to suggest the Giants can go over 500 this season? Uh, it's premature. I don't think I can give you an answer there. I, I did want to just say I looked it up. Blake Martinez had nine tackles for a loss last year. Uh, his career high twice had 10. So just for the edification yeah. of those mm-hmm. out there who wanted the number. What's the biggest reason the Giants? The I'll, I'll signs you you've seen to think they could go over. I, I'll, I'll just give you one. I'll give you one generic sign. And that is, and I will tell you, I talked to somebody who is not affiliated with the team but has seen practices, and I'll let you folks figure out who that is, but someone who is a longtime football person who understands the game and said when I told him this is the best 90-man summer training camp roster talent-wise, depth-wise, spread-out-wise that they've had since their last playoff team, and he said to me, I cannot even begin to agree with you more because it's like night and day. This truly is the most talented bunch of 90 that they've had in years. So I will give you that as the best reason that they could potentially be a 500 team or better. What groups do you think are specifically the deepest? Well, I think first things first, the starting five on the offensive line is by far the most talented five. I, I mean, I agree I, that. there's no dispute there. No matter who, who we're talking to, there's no dispute there. I do think that the wide receiver group potentially, depending upon who stays on the field, God knows who stays on the field. That could be the best wide receiver room that this team has had in many years since that playoff team, to be frank with you. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Considering what are you going to consider Thibodeau and Ojolari as linebackers? However you want to classify them. Your, your pass rushers. I in, in theory. Look, your, your offensive tackles and your defensive edge players are the best they've been. So those those are the three groups that I just think right away you look at and you say, okay, they they should be a lot better in those three spots. Right. No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But I you know, I think look, I think the the biggest sign and this doesn't do with camp, but look at the schedule. I mean, it's not that hard to find seven well, or eight wins on the schedule. We've talked about that's that. That's not a bad thing to look at either. Getting to nine though, getting to nine's hard. To get to nine, okay, to get to nine you're going to need to split in the division, which gets you three. I think you need to get four in the division if you want to get to nine. Okay, well, and 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 you may, you may need to, but but I would say this. Um, I think you got to be Washington twice if you want to get to nine. I will say this, and again, I, I hate going through this now, but I don't think it's unrealistic at this stage to say they could beat Carolina, Chicago, Jacksonville. Seattle, Houston, and Detroit. Those are six games that they should be very competitive with, if not be able to win. Yeah. Well, that's six. If you go three and three in the division, add three plus six, you got nine. Well, you can't expect to win every one of those six. The Giants won four games last year. You're not going to, you're not going to, no team, even good teams, never win every game they're supposed to win every year. And I understand that. Part of that equation, though, is kind of jilted because they didn't have a quarterback the second half of the season. No, they I'm won just four talking, games. Even they when won, the Giants were good, they would have at least one stinker against uh, the bad team. I, I know, I know. But if, if we're going to base it off of a win jump from year to year, they were not a four-win team last year. No, they were more they like a six-win team last right, year, I would say. Right. Maybe even seven, depending on how the final six games If goes. Daniel Jones finishes out the season 
they probably win six games, possibly seven, but I would say let's talk about six. They could have beaten Miami because that game was close mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They could have beaten Washington the no final doubt. game of the year, and they could have beaten Chicago. Those, okay. those are the three games I think you point I to. I agree. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I, I think it's safe to say they at least would have won six, maybe yeah, seven. they'll say six. I think that's fair. So to, two out say, of those three. to say they could win eight or nine this year technically is not as much of a unrealistic jump as some people might think. That's that's my point. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I look, I think last year too, you know, before all the injuries happened, I mean, I don't need to remind you of the Falcons game on September 26th. Horrific. Horrific. And how... That's not much different than that Panther game this year, right? At home, second game of the year. I know. Similar. I, I'm, I, I, John, you're tired. You've got to be tired of me saying this. Got to get off to a better oh, start of course, in you September. have to. You have to. Two and two in the first four. And I, that's always going to be the case. It will always be the case. You can't come out of the first quarter of the season, and I know there's 17 games now. We talked about this nah, the other it's day. Fine. With the it's fine. You can't come out of the first four under two and two. You can't do it. And when you get teams like Carolina and Chicago in the first four, yeah. that becomes mandatory. Mandatory. Yeah. I don't. I think the Carolina game is a little bit tougher than a lot of people are. I think the Panthers actually have a pretty good defense, and I think I think Baker's. Fine, like he's not great, but he's not a bad quarterback. I home think home opener, quarterback. home opener, got to win it. When's the last time the Giants won their home? I know, I, well, <laughs> well, that's my point. Right, I know. You want to you want to show that there's change here? I know. I you, totally agree. I've been preaching about not starting zero and two for ten years. I'm tired of it. Okay, so I mean they've started zero and two pretty much every year except for two since 2013. And it is suicide. And the to one, do so. and the one year they did it, they made the playoffs in 2016. Yeah. yeah. I know. Isn't that nuts? But, you know, with the new administration and quarterback and star running back in their contract years, no, no. This is a year where the Giants need to establish some positive momentum coming out of September. It is more than imperative. It is mandatory. And that's and that's just the way I feel about it. No, look, I don't. You know, I don't it's, think not, any- it's not a wish. It's a, it's a mandate. I don't think anything you're saying is wrong. I don't think anything you're saying is wrong. You know. Now, I, I will tell you, um, there is one huge question for me that we don't talk about very much. And I, I don't think, well, let, look, we haven't had a live show now in a long time. Oh, throw it on me. What do you got? But, and by it, the way, give us a call, guys. If you're getting on here late, we are live, 201-939-4513. I was to get back into the rhythm here. No I just we're live today. I just pumped it up live on Twitter saying, call us, call us, right, just I'm, now. I'm going to retweet you. How about that? And Anyway, um, John, the Giants had a really, really good special teams coverage unit last year. They were number one in covering kickoffs. They were number 14 in covering punts. Keon Crossan was terrific and led the way in production on kick coverage. If you look at the Giants of last year, okay, I believe it's like four of their top seven kick coverage guys are not here anymore. Special teams is going to be very interesting this season because they basically have to rebuild their kick coverage units. And that was a strength last year for a team that only won four games. Yeah, I mean, the question is, you know, how often, I mean, if you don't want to allow kick returns, it's pretty easy to do that unless it's a bad weather type of game. I understand that, but their their field position 
does have a lot to do with things. I mean, you know, Coughlin used to preach field position all the time. That's those hidden yards we talk about. I mean, C.J. Board is still here as a gunner, right? On he is. Okay, but you need you need a core group of guys. And Fiegel, you know, Feig's appreciates this better than any of us do because he played it. But I am curious who's going to be the kick returner, whether it be punts or kickoffs. We've speculated on some of the names. But they need some production out of their return game because that hasn't been good for a while. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And the kick coverage units, which have been good for a couple years, need to maintain that consistency. Uh, the reports and news seem to be out there. I'm not confirming them, but a lot of the media is reporting that Dane Belton has a broken collarbone. Okay. So that'll be more than a week. <laughs> Uh, that I mean that that's usually depending on the type of fracture it is anywhere from four to eight. Yeah. Um, so that might be a that might could be a pup to start the year. That sucks for a rookie. You want to get out there as much as you can in the preseason, and they need a third safety. Andrew that they can Adams, trust. welcome to an even bigger opportunity to make this team. Yeah, and, Corker, and by the way, and Corker, the undrafted free agent rookie, Yusef Corker out of mm-hmm. Kentucky. Adams, of course, by the way, also a very good special teams cover guy. Mm-hmm. So now his door just opened maybe a whole lot wider. Let me see. I'm trying to think well, who else they could that I've seen do a lot of special teams for this group. I mean, you're not going to want to put Julian Love on no. specials. He's too important. No. I mean, he might be there anyway, but that's I would be very leery of that um, on coverage. I mean, they still have their linebackers. You know, Carter Coughlin was a staple special team. He's still here. Cam yeah. Brown was a staple yeah. special team on kick coverage. Those there, are two there, guys that will still be there. A couple of guys, sure, sure. Uh, let's see. It's Brightwell? Yeah, Brightwell. He was a special team when he got drafted. Now, two that, years, now that's, that's going to be interesting because Brightwell, right now, he's behind, obviously, Brita. And uh, Barkley on the running back depth chart. Yeah, I mean, I, I think after those two, I think it's really it's a wide, wide open, super right? Wide open, yeah. Now, for sure. Brightwell, um, to me, may have a leg up on you know the other folks, whether it's Williams or Corbin, because at least Brightwell can give you something on specials. I know, I know, Corbin can return kicks. Um, I'm not sure about Williams, and I don't think Corbin or Williams are going to cover kicks, John. But Brightwell will. Does that does that wind up playing into the equation as to who the third running back on the 53 is? It very well could. Yeah, I think it could. Sure, sure, sure could. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Jeff Smith writes in a Twitter question here. Um, what was up with Peter King reporting the other day that a player on the Giants said Wondell Robinson was a quote-unquote problem? I'm thinking... I did not see this report, but I'm thinking it was the colloquial will to say, boy, that guy's going to be a problem, which means a problem yes. to deal with, not a, like, this is a bad thing problem. It's like, you know, when you say things, you know, he's real, that Michael Jordan is so bad. And it really means <laughs> good. For the Seinfeld fans, you guys know what that's from. Um, and I had to make a Jordan reference and Lance's in here. Okay. And, you know, I'm sure Lance is dying. By the way, folks, if you want to send some flowers to Lance Meadow, I suggest you log on to Twitter <laughs> and send them to some tweets at Lance Meadow. 
If you haven't noticed, and I'm so happy I can do this with that on the oh, air right no. now. It's fantastic. It's you're, fantastic. Re you're, you're really doing this. Well, people can look at his Twitter account. I'm not going to oh, do anything. My. But Lance has a bit of a problem. And by the way, I had nothing to do with it. No, neither did I. Though I, I kind of wish that I did. It was a great practical joke. Um, well, let me put if you look at Lance's Twitter profile right now, look at his picture and look at his uh, uh, profile description. Doesn't sound right or look right. So Lance might be having some problems. Send him some tweets. Send him some love. Express some sympathy. Got hacked. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's, hacked the, good. that's the best way to describe it, right? And, and, and if you ever want to, you know, take some shots at him or take some shots at number 23... With Lance having a complete inability to respond to any of your tweets. The time is now. Strike. Strike now, I tell you. Strike now. Go get him. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Because he can't do anything about it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm oh. Just kind of, not really. Um, did you guys talk a Dory's presser? Oh, we did not talk about a Dory's presser, actually. Yeah, some good stuff on Holmes. Yes, he talked about Darnay Holmes, and he also talked about how it's really weird him being the old guy now when he was felt like he was just a young guy a few years ago. Yes, that was very, very funny. And I, and I know you totally got the uh, 50 Cent reference, right, Paul? You were all over that? I had absolutely no clue what he was talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. I had absolutely no idea. What was that? What's funny is that he was talking about the young guys, not knowing 50, cents, 50 Cent, but... Paul's the other way. Yes. Where he said it was, the, he said it was Corbin, right, the running back. Yeah. That they were, they were playing a music. They were playing a Fifty Cent song from what I think he said two thousand and one yeah, or two thousand and two. Late nineties, early. 2000s. Yeah, and then he found out that like he the kid hadn't been born yet when the song came out, and he's like, dude, like that's that's not great. And Dory Jackson, just for the record, by the way, was born in nineteen ninety five, so he's twenty. He's not exactly you know, you know, pushing thirty here at twenty six. But I thought that was funny. I was uh, amused by that. Yeah. Well, that, so Paul, you, you have no idea who 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 Fifty Cent is. I, I I've I've heard the name. He was I, in he was in the Super Bowl halftime show last year, which is why I thought you would know who he is. I I know that he is a music rapper. Now that was like that was horribly out of shape. Fifty Cent. He was struggling oh. hanging off that bar in that halftime show. He was struggling. Okay. <laughs> Am okay. I wrong, Pearson? He was he was struggling. Yeah. No. He's, he used to be in better shape. That's yes, for sure. he was. Yes, he used to be jacked up. No question. Yeah. 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 Here's what I will say. About okay. 50 Cent? Yeah, uh, no, no. <laughs> Not a Dory Jackson. <laughs> well, I didn't know a Dory knew Darnay for 10 years. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah. And, and that's mm -hmm. what I was going to go, go to. Go ahead. I'd rather talk 50 well, Cent, because the, okay. the 50 Cent thing is just on another room for me. I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't swim in those waters, John. But I, uh, Dory Jackson, uh, I guess apparently he and uh, Darnay Holmes grew up together, knew each other um, in their high school days, and was disappointed that Holmes went to UCLA. He thought that Holmes was going to join him at USC, and he didn't. And he was kind of bummed by that. But he said ever since he's been uh, here, Jackson and Holmes together now last year, he says, smart guy, works very hard. Really quality guy on and off the field, and he's and he's very happy to have him, and and it's it's been a pleasure. And he does say that he could see the growth and the maturity and the improvement in Holmes, and uh, you know coming back this year. Yeah, and have you have any of the other cornerbacks besides Robinson, who has gotten flagged a couple times, by the way? You know he's very. We talked about him coming out in the draft. 
He's very physical. Yes, he is. And I happen to like that because you get a better chance of pulling that back than getting somebody to become that. Agree, line. but there is there is a line that you must. There's got to be walk. There's got to be. Right, he's been over the line more than he's been on the right. There's got to be. So has any other cornerback besides those three jumped out to you, Paul? No, not really. No, me neither. That's why it's essential that those three guys stay healthy and they play well. You know. Because Khalil Dorsey has kind of stepped up. He's been the, the slot guy now with the second team the last couple of days. You know, Cordo Flott hasn't really done a ton yet. Um, Flott, Flott's made a few plays, but not consistently enough that were above that standard that I'm talking yep. about. Mm-hmm. Remember, again, I look at the routine play and I'm like, okay, routine plays don't get marked down. You got to make something above a routine play, and especially once he's you, made a couple of those. And once you start playing against the second and third teams, if you think you're, you need to look, maybe exceptional is a little strong, but if you're going against the second and third stringers and you want to be a starter, you want to look like a very good player. It's the old theory, right? Like if you watch an NBA summer league and you know you think a guy's really good, he better go down there and dominate NBA summer league because that right. means he's a real player. Right. Like if you're going against the second and thirteen, and Floss been going against the twos mostly. You know, I, I don't want to see these second-string receivers catching balls on you. You know, you should be shutting these guys down. Totally understood. Totally understood. And I haven't, and frankly, I haven't really noticed them for anything bad particularly, but I haven't noticed anything, you know, a ton of particularly, oh, that was a great play deals either. So he's kind of just been there, which is fine. But that's just kind of where I'm at with him. Um, I think, I think the fair thing to say right now, um, and we, we've talked about this too, John, before, uh, because... This secondary, I think, wants to be more physical. I think that's a characteristic that they want to have. It's entirely possible that during those non-padded practices, they couldn't play the game that they wanted to play against the receivers. I think there's probably some substance to that. And we saw a little bit more of it today. In fact, you mentioned actually Aaron Robinson being you know, very physical. I think as we move on with these padded practices, that's something I'm going to want to see because, you know, whether or not the Ravens had talent at that spot, when they played well, it was because they were more physical. They were more handsy. I'd like to see what these guys are going to do now yeah. that we have get real practices instead of flag football. And look, it, it, I'm like, I'll make another basketball reference because apparently that's the theme of the show. It's like you go back to the 90s Knicks, <laughs> right? If you go out there and you're physical and you hit and you foul and you do all that stuff on every play, you know, the officials aren't going to necessarily throw a flag on every play. It's not going to be until it's egregious that they're going to call, right? So if you set the bar fairly high in terms of how physical you're going to be, they're probably going to let you get away with a little bit more stuff. You know what I sure. mean? Sure. Sure. No question. I think um, I think the other thing that I, I'm very curious about um, as we move forward, Blake Martinez is being ramped up. We know he's on the side, and he's not getting in there at the moment to be taking snaps because they're being very cautious as they bring him back off of the uh, the ACL. We've seen a bunch of different guys over the course of today. Beavers had a lot of stuff in the middle, a lot of snaps in the middle. We've seen Carter Coughlin over the course of the offseason take a lot of snaps in the interior linebacker spot. You know, you were just mentioning the secondary, John. I, I'm once now we got pads on. I, I'm curious to see how those interior linebackers are going to assert themselves, because right now I'm gonna tell you something. Outside of Blake Martinez, I'm not 100 percent sure how that depth chart's gonna go. I'm not. 
I, I, I'm, I'm still giving Carter Coughlin a chance to seize a spot next to Blake. Here's the thing. I don't know how important that spot next to Blake is going to be. Like, well, how often is that I know. Guy even on the field? And then that's the other part of it then, too. When that guy's on the field, I think you're looking for a guy that's really good against the run, right? Because if you're going to play the ex- if you're going to play your fourth linebacker or however you want to classify the, the edge guys, right? If you want right. if you're playing your fourth linebacker, the whole point of putting that fourth linebacker on the field to stop the run, right? You're not putting a fourth linebacker on there out there to cover. So if you're putting that fourth linebacker out there, it's probably going to be your best run defender, and that's probably not going to be Tay Crowder. Yeah. And and unless it turns out to be a matchup situation where there's right. going to be games where you're primarily playing more five and six DBs, and who knows, maybe even seven DBs on occasion. Wink, Wink is not adverse to trying that. So it may – I'll tell you what. They're playing Tennessee opening week. That's a power football team. They like to run it. They're yeah. a power-strength football team. Okay? You're going to see two tight ends. You're going to see – Right. And they, they, frankly, they don't have the wide receivers to play right now anyway. They just okay. don't have the numbers. Right? So you and I both know yeah. Blake Martinez, if he's ready, no, he's that, playing linebacker on the inside. Who's going to be next to him in that game? And that will be significant in that particular game. Maybe? I'm thinking right now and by the Carter way, Coughlin, but Beavers could take that spot. And, not, not, and, not, and look, I'm not comparing the, the quality of the two teams and how well they do it, but – Panthers have a pretty darn good running back on their roster in week two if he's healthy, too. You heard of him, huh? I mean, he hasn't played in a couple of years <laughs> because of injury. But, yeah, Christian McCaffrey's damn good when he's healthy. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, although, and although, by the way, week three, Ezekiel Elliott's not and Tony Pollard's not bad either. No, no. <laughs> although I think I think McCaffrey is a little bit more with the Jukes. It isn't so much the power football. Right. No, I agree with that. Right. So you may, you may, That's fair. You may wind up seeing. Yeah, because take, the Panthers you know, might be thrown out. Eleven personnel anyway, and right out of that, right? No, that's fair. So this this goes so back like Dallas for that. This matter. goes back to that whole matchup week to week thing, which is why it's so important for the Giants actually to have more depth on the ninety this year, because I think that they do want to play a lot of matchup football more so than they probably wanted to do in the past. Agreed. All right, uh, let's wrap up here, Paul. Uh, quickly, I don't really want to touch the Deshaun Watson thing. Do you? No. Nope, me neither. Okay, good. We're on the same page there. We'll see. The NFL is three days to appeal that, so we'll see if they do. You guys can go find the statement and everything like that. Um, and then you have apparently, and this is a similarly a league discipline issue, I guess, Alvin Kamara's court date got pushed back 60 days. For the people that have followed that, there was an incident in a parking lot outside of a casino in the offseason, which uh, with legitimate violence for lack of a better for lack of a better term like physical violence um how about just not, not good how about that yeah so that's gonna get pushed back like 60 days so who knows that and that might not even get adjudicated this nfl season now that might take a whole nother year now to, to kind of get through that because now he's not gonna have the hearing until october mm-hmm. and then they have to make a ruling there could be appeals so you mm-hmm. might not have he might play the whole year now depending on how this thing goes good uh, so that's another thing going on around the league. I don't think there was really much else that was that was newsy, right? From what I could tell, Paulie. That's about it right now. I, um, what the? No, no, that yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. I think. Um, and by the way, just for the schedule this week, really quickly. Yeah. Pad of practice tomorrow. Pad of practice Wednesday. Yes. Thursday off. Off. Well, Fr- walk walk through Thursday, but off. basically off. 
Friday is going to be the blue-white scrimmage, scrimmage at, yes. at MetLife Stadium. Yes. It's kind of fan-festy. It'll be yes. fun. So yes. folks should come out for that. Saturday then is an off day because I, I imagine that's going to be – to have the day the, – kind of the day off before and after, mm. that's probably going to be pretty real. Pearson, do we know uh, are the Fan Fest tickets for the scrimmage still available on the website? Yeah, they should be. They still are. Well, let me let me see. Make sure they're not sold out. Yep. Okay, because I I know uh, I believe the practices are all are all gone. They were free tickets, but I think they're all taken. I'm not sure about the scrimmage at uh, MetLife. Is that still available? Um, we should just let people know that they can they could if 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 they are, let people know they can still get on Giants.com. And come out to that. I'm looking. Let's see. Training camp, uh, season ticket members, general admission, autograph schedule. I do not see a link hmm. for FanFest tickets. Maybe maybe they are gone. They could be sold out. But check it out. Try to find it. Okay. If Sorry. You're a ticket holder. I hope I hope there were some still for you folks. Yes, but... I'm I'm not positive about that. I mean, I can't believe they would sold seventy thousand tickets. But they might they not be opening the whole stadium. No, either. I think they were only going to open the lower, lower deck, level, right? Yeah, I think so. But in any event, uh, that that's a cool thing, you know, folks. Obviously, if you can get out to that, because you'll you'll get to see at least something that resembles football, as opposed to some of the drill stuff that you see during the course of the week. Um, and then, of course, uh, the first preseason games on the 11th up in Foxborough. So we're kind of we're kind of getting there. By the way, the Yankees have acquired righty reliever Scott Efros from the Cubs. Yeah, that happened a while. ago. So says Jack Curry. Yeah, two hours ago. Yeah, game changer. Huh? Hello. <laughs> it isn't Josh Hader going to the Padres. You saw that? Did he? Yeah. Hmm. Brewers are in first place. They traded away Josh Hader. Oh, look at it. Look at this item. You want to talk about football item? What do you got? Ciron Neal involved with Tavon Austin punches thrown in Buffalo Bills camp. That Tavon Austin just keeps figuring out a way to hook up with teams, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. He does. He just like everyone's like, we're gonna be the ones that are gonna unlock Tavon Austin. And he keeps <laughs> like eight teams have said that to themselves in the past seven seasons. He also keeps figuring out a way to get kicked off the team. <laughs> Usually last the season though. He does. He sticks around as like the sixth wide receiver. He does. He does. So given Tavon Austin's diminutive size, I'm not sure he should be throwing fists with anybody else on a football field no. soon. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Boogie Basham and Alec Anderson also apparently involved in this skirmish in Bill's well, camp. Guys, the pads are on. It's going to happen. You know, um, my, my, my bet was that Feliciano was going to be involved in the Giants' first skirmish. That did not happen because he wasn't on the field. He could have been, but he wasn't on the field last few days. So, Yeah, no, very true. And, and I, I, I will say this. To be honest, John, um, I'm a little surprised, although Coach Stable's been very – uh, particular about his instructions. I don't want to see too many guys on the ground. I don't want to see too much of that mm -hmm. other stuff. So I, I, obviously they respect his wishes, but there have been a few times where I thought we might have a little bit more abrasiveness. Yeah, where there were some, you know, runs that well, were it's stuffed. Happen now, you know. Yeah. I mean, there were a few times where there was some stuffed runs, and I'm like, uh oh, and nothing happened. And by the way, I will say this too. I know a lot of people are saying that Dable was like more the players' coach and all that stuff. He is not afraid to yell at guys on the field no. when they do something. No, he is. No. He, he is a little bit of a temper now. He does. Like he, he, like he does. if you do something like he doesn't like, he's gonna let you know about it, and he's gonna he'll yell at you first, and then he'll kind of pull you over to the side. He'll talk to you about it. But he has he has some emotional reactions to things that are not so good. And conversely, when he sees something he really likes, yes, you'll hear about it too. No, he's he's, he's very praiseworthy if he likes a play. He his press conference personality is very different than his on field personality. Yes. Much more energy on the field. Yes. Yeah, I agree.
Paul, good stuff. Yeah, John, it was fun. Uh, and for those of you listening to this, by the way, on, on the podcast, which is, I'm sure, the way most of you are because we didn't you know, really promote this ahead of time, um, make sure you go and you check it out live tomorrow. We'll be here at 2 o'clock all week long. So make sure you come and check us out. Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's fun to be breathing again. Yes, and <laughs> we're actually looking forward to talking to Charlie. No, don't say that. <laughs> You're going to encourage him. Oh, you know, you don't think he was calling tomorrow regardless? He's been chomping at the bit here. By the way, did you see that someone created a fake Twitter account? Larry Vacchiano, Charlie's brother, and he claims that they have discommunicated Charlie from the Vacchiano family. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Oh, oh, no. Yes, it's there. It's there. Oh, no. Anyway, it's 2 o'clock, and with this new schedule, we have to be off exactly at 3, folks. So let's get off exactly at 3. Ms. Lance isn't here. He's Paul Tito. I'm John Schmuck for Pearson Butler. Send Lance those tweets. We'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Bye. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.